This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up today on the big show, we will hear from the champions of the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament. It was a spectacular weekend of walleye fishing on Leech. Record numbers of fish, 14 inches and up, caught, photographed, and released. And for the second straight year, Chuck Hazzy and Randy Topper get it done. We'll hear from them next. Plus, Bemidji State University's Dr. Andrew Hafes, the resident aquatic biologist, is back in to answer another tough question, too. It's all coming up on today's show. Got my fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand. Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man. But the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass. And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back. Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm fishing. Paul Bunyan Country. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu I'm Bruce Jean and this is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Well, for the second straight year, the champions of the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament are Chuck Hazzy and Randy Topper. Uh, Randy, second year in a row, oh, that's pretty That's pretty impressive, and that's pretty elite company. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've said this a lot of times going to tournaments. You look around at the competition out here, and it's, it's so ridiculously tough. And when you go into it, you're thinking... How could we ever do it? You know, how can how can you pull it off once? Especially how can you pull it off twice? And uh, we just we put data together. We follow, come up with a plan, stick to the plan till it, till it kind of punches us in the face, <laughs> and then we adjust from there. And and we've got pretty good at adapting over the years. And that's kind of what we did today. You know, yesterday's plan was perfect. Today we had to adapt a lot, and and it, and it turned out in the end. Well, Chuck. Uh you and Randy have fished this, like I think we said, up on stage four or five times together. Uh, do you fish other tournaments with with uh, Randy? Yeah, we fish the AIM, the AIM series together. So we've been fishing together now for five, six years, something like that. Um, we've fished a lot of AIM tournaments, qualified for a few, few championships. Um, but this one is kind of a different deal. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still... I'm st- I'm trying to process everything that happened today. We, uh, we to say we fished perfect today would be uh, a complete lie, and uh, we kind we kind of went into scramble guide mode, and and uh, I'm used to netting fish, like I said, as a as a guide, and I uh, I netted a lot of fish this weekend. Put it that way. All right, and then you guys have fished a number of tournaments together. How did you uh, how did you meet each other? How did you get involved in fishing together? Well, actually, we met in college. Both of us went to University of Minnesota Crookston. Um, we met there, hung out a lot. You know, uh, I don't even know how we met. Uh, probably at Captain Crooks, <laughs> <laughs> the local watering hole, and then uh, we both uh, had a lot of similar interests. And all of a sudden, we started hunting a lot together out there. 
Uh, we never really fished together all the way up until, you know, we hunted a lot together, hung out, did a lot of things. And then there was a spell there. Uh, I went off traveling for a while. We didn't even actually even talk much or see each other for probably a eight ten year span and and i had uh lost a partner to you know work work stuff and and i called chuck one day because i didn't have a partner for something for aim and uh chuck's like yeah let's do it so so it's been it's been uh peas and carrots ever since then umc well i'm from red lake falls and i had no interest in going to umc so i'm a beaver but uh, whatever yeah, and I played baseball there, and they always beat us in baseball. Pretty much everyone beat us in baseball. But um, and when Randy says he was traveling, he is uh, actually on tour in the uh, military. So it wasn't like he was uh, out in Europe or Paris or Rome or anything like that. He was he was doing the good stuff to uh, protect all us back here that uh, get to do the things we want to do. So um, it was just Memorial Day here not too long ago and uh you know that's that's stuff that we sometimes forget about or take for granted so well chuck uh you know obviously leech lake is your home lake now but uh, you're not from walker originally no i grew up in west central minnesota um kind of otter tail lakes area so we fished a lot of a lot of smaller lakes um you know we always fish for walleyes with my dad we always fish for walleyes and two three walleyes a, a day was a good day out there so getting to uh live up here in in this area and do what i do for work it's uh it's a blessing and randy what about you where are you from originally uh, i'm from cohasset which is just uh it's right near grand rapids which might be a little little more well-known town but yeah cohasset born and raised i grew up on pacagama lake actually so cut my teeth fishing pacagama lake which can be a bear so so a lot of credit to uh, to having to fish an animal every day, you know, uh, hoping you get just a few fish, you know, and coming to these lakes kind of like Chuck, you know, those, those lakes when you're younger, just a few fish were great, and and to come to fisheries like these, you know, and start to start to crack that code and find out that there's so much to offer, and and just to have a great time like that. How many fish we caught yesterday was. It was simply amazing. Chuck and I both said yesterday was it's right up there and probably our top five fishing experiences of our lives. You know, coming up with a perfect card likely never happen again. So I'm pretty pretty grateful for that to happen yesterday, and we needed every bit of it for today. So. Randy Topper and Chuck Hazy are the two-time defending champions of the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament. I had a chance to talk to them right after they accepted that check for $15,097 on Saturday. we got a lot more to cover with them next. Hi, this is Chuck Hasse on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson employed for another year. Go one step further into the outdoors this summer and experience the incomparable natural wonder of Bemidji the first city on the Mississippi. Bemidji features abundant access to the great outdoors with over 400 pristine lakes, perfect for canoeing, paddleboarding, and over 160 miles of trails that run through the northern Minnesota landscape. Plan your next great outdoor adventure today at visitbemidji.com. Bemidji points to further. I'm Kevin Cochran, and you're listening to Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. The Leech Lake Walleye Tournament has come to an end. Chuck Hazzy and Randy Topper have repeated as champs. I had a chance to talk with them right after they claimed that title on Saturday. Chuck, 
20 people came up and talked, and every single one of them talked like it was like one of the best fishing weekends of their lives. And yet, until recently, Leech Lake's been pretty quiet. It's It's been a bit of a bear until, I would say, maybe a week ago. Um, the fish spawned late. I think I think a lot of that, the tough fishing, was due to just recovery time after the spawn. Um, we'd, we'd get a couple warm days, and then we'd have a cold front throw in, thrown in there that would knock things back a little bit. But now the water temp, I mean, once it hits that 60, low 60s mark, um, things start turning on. And now, obviously, I think we're at 70 today. I mean, that's surface temps, but... Um, yeah, things, things really turned on here in the last few days. And you can tell a lot of the spots that, that were fished today. The fishing was definitely a little bit tougher. Um, but you know, 155 boats out there and, and there's not many spots that go untouched. So they've been, they've been beat on a little bit. So we, we really had to grind for them today. But I think in a couple days here, it'll be fantastic again. Randy, one of the things I heard a lot and I'm hearing a lot in general, is bobbers uh, okay i used to hear about bobbers for you know panfish uh now i'm hearing about walleyes all the time yeah i, I and it's really funny because i talk to so many walleye, walleye fishermen and, and i can say that i'm the same uh if it was 10 years ago and uh you, you told me to put a bobber on there's no way you know we, I, I think almost Maybe 80% of the walleye fishing world was, you were shunned if you were a bobber person. You know, get your bobber out of the way, we're on our drift, or we're on our troll, or anything like that. And my wife always told me, probably the last five years, she's like, I, you know, I heard they catch them on bobbers. I love fishing on bobbers. And, and I started practicing a little bit with her, and, and now, you know, of course she loves it now, because that's that's pretty much all we do besides, you know, pitching and, and throwing. We just don't do a whole lot of trolling and stuff like that anymore, at least in these fisheries right near us. And and you actually put one of the guys that uh, came up, uh, I don't know, third or fourth place and said he never fishes bobbers, but you told him to. So, Chuck, you helped the guy out today. Yeah, Chad Bleeker. And, I mean, like I said, we, we fished the way we fished for for so long. And just about the time you, you think that you're learning everything there is to walleye fishing, something new comes out, and you either adapt and use it or... You know, it's it's tough, especially with these these clear waters and zebra mussels and everything. The the fish are getting more spooky. Um, you have to stay off of them. So, being able to pitch out 30, 40, 50 feet away from the boat and keep the boat off the top of them uh, really helps. Well, what's up next for you guys? Uh, I believe next weekend already we have an AIM qualifier, which is on Malax. So we have uh, AIM. And then we have uh, otter tail qualifier, and then red wing qualifier, and then our state championships on Winnie. So that's what Chuck and I have left for this year. And then we'll do Cass, uh, Cass MWC there's in a, September. There's a Graha tournament in there that he won't let me fish with him, so there's always that. <laughs> uh, Brock and I have been fishing that tournament since, uh, since actually since it's been the chamber uh, tournament, and uh, we both sat in kind of on the committee and did a little help planning on that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's kind of been our tradition for a long time. Um, so, so yeah, Brock and I have fished that one, but uh, Chuck comes and stays, and, and we still get to hang out. So that's great, too. 
Well, I thought maybe you hadn't proved yourself on Pekegama yet. Uh, obviously, because he won't tell me anything when I go over there. We stay together, but we don't talk to each other. So, <laughs> Well, Chuck Hazzy and Randy Topper are, for the second straight year, the champions of the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament. Congratulations, guys. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Thanks, Kev. Thank you, Kev. And I would like to thank the whole crew at the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament for letting me be part of it this year. It was my honor to be on stage interviewing those top 20 anglers, and presenting the prizes to everybody. I'm going to do it again this Saturday, by the way, at the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic on Lake Bemidji. Looking forward to that already. We'll have some uh, walleye talk with a couple of guys that are in the tournament later on this week. But up next, it's time to check back in with the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes of Bemidji State University. We're going to get his thoughts on the effects of zebra mussels on area lakes. I'm Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. I'm proud of the efforts my fellow guides and I make to help Kev Jackson sound like he has a clue. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Ask the aquatic it is time to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes of Bemidji State University, about yet another fascinating topic in the world of fish and water. And Andy, I know we've talked about this in the past, uh, and I think uh, when we talked about it in the past, we talked about the fact that right now everything we know around here is still very near term, and I don't think that's changed a whole lot. But we're going to talk about zebra mussels and, uh, and what it means in a system and how it will affect fish species. And... To this point, it hasn't seemed to affect fish species directly that we can see. And when we're talking about that as anglers, we're talking about the numbers of fish. That hasn't seemed to change too much yet. Um, what do we know beyond that? Well, uh, these are just really challenging questions uh, for me when you bring up the zebra mussel stuff. So I'm going to put that out there right away that you're a little bit outside my wheelhouse here. Uh, what I can say is that we've done some diet studies recently and looked at, you know, whether fish are actually consuming them and things like that. And um, some of the fish species around here, it's been pretty limited. Uh, just want to give a shout-out to Russell Zwiers. He just did a, a capstone research project where he looked at bluegills and uh, bluegill hybrids to see if their diets were different in some of the area lakes. And he just didn't find a whole lot of zebra mussels in them. Uh, Marissa Pribel as well, she looked at, you know, uh, freshwater drum up in the Red Lakes. The, the villagers, the immature form, has been found up there, but the adults haven't. And still, the freshwater drum are known to consume some of things like this. We didn't find a single adult uh, inside of over 100 of those stomachs. So um, directly, uh, you know, fish consuming the zebra mussels, that seems to be kind of limited so far okay. uh, in the area. I think, you know, the big things that they're really doing are – taking a lot of the energy out of the water column and then bringing it down into the substrate and then 
in response. So you'd think, well, zooplankton and all that goes away, right? That's a big problem for the fish community. Uh, but what it seems like is that when you have the zebra mussels down there, the bottom gets a little bit more complex and the invertebrate populations can actually increase uh, in some of those situations. And the fish adapt and switch prey a little sooner to inverts uh, you know, than they would. Uh, or the feeding bottleneck was not in the zooplankton. It, maybe it was a little later in the food chain you know, or in their development. So I think you're right. I think some of the the effects weren't as substantial as we kind of expected early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're not present. Like the other really big thing that I think they do to fish in the system, and it's something that we're still kind of dealing with, is that the water clarity changes and how that influences their ability to feed. So if you think about the walleye, they're low light, you know, feeders. You know, if you change the water clarity substantially, maybe you've eliminated a few hours out of the day that they can't feed anymore as effectively as they would. So they're either going to have to evolve or adapt to that. The other thing is our gears or the gear that the DNR samples with. Can the fish see those nets better now? And how is the catchability of those nets being influenced? So it's just it's a really tricky thing to, to look into and get those answers that you're asking for here. Well, I, I you know, and, and that's, again, that's the one thing I think that we – we recognize and that we experience as anglers is we know, you know, certain lakes, certainly Bemidji uh, and certainly Cass have gotten much clearer and it's really changed how we can fish those lakes and where we can fish those lakes at certain times of the day. It's been more of an adjustment for us than the, than the fish. The fish, they'll go, they'll figure it out and we got to figure out the fish again. Um, but one of the things you always mention whenever we have conversations about stuff like this or other things is, well, yeah, that. But what 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 about fifty years from now? And that, of course, is the yeah. million dollar question. We we don't have an answer for at this point. For sure, you know, the fish management class that I teach at Bemidji State here, we left for COVID, right? So we didn't get to sample our yellow perch that year. We came back, and it was a drought year. And when we sampled that year, the yellow perch, the little yellow perch numbers were down substantially in our seine halls. And then this last year, they rebounded a little bit. So, But you're talking we have two data points now that we have relative to age zero yellow perch in Lake Bemidji following the, the zebra mussel outbreak. And there's been huge changes. You've seen it. I've seen it, right? The water clarity is, uh, you know, increasing substantially. The near shore habitat is different in front of the campus for sure. So... We know there's big changes in the water. It's how long is it going to take us to detect things or what's going to happen to the fish populations over the next 50 years is going to be really, really interesting. One of the places that has had it much longer than this area, I don't think it's been 50 years, but it's been a long time, is Lake Erie. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I mean, that that was a positive thing because that water was really polluted, really filthy, and they cleaned it up, and now it's a spectacular walleye fishery. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the the result for every every lake yeah. it goes into, especially already good walleye fisheries. But in that case, um, by and large, it seems to have been a very positive to have had zebra mussels in that lake. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess, um, you know, I haven't read as much about that, and so I'm hesitant to say too much about it. But yeah. at the same time, like if you're getting to the point where the lake is so productive where dissolved oxygen concentrations are bad, that is a very severe situation for fish populations. Mm-hmm. And so if it's possible for the zebra mussels to alleviate some of that pressure somehow, um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So. We tend to have 
lake's in much better shape around here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and again, it's uh, it's just, this is it's something that all biologists, whether they work for the DNR or whoever they work for, are all going to have to be making adjustments on for a while until oh, we for sure. really know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's a really big thing right now is how is the gear and you know being influenced and how our fish catchability is changing due to water quality changes. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch how the managers kind of tease that out over the next you know decade or so you know while they're sampling so all right he's dr andrew haves he is the aquatic biologist at bemidji state university Andy, thanks for being here yep, thanks again well we've got some cool shows coming up later in the week this is take a kid fishing week in bemidji that means i will be at the take a kid fishing fish fry live on wednesday and we'll replay that again in the new show on thursday we're also going to hear from a couple of non-Petersons who are fishing in the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic later this week. A couple of guys who've known each other for a long time in the basketball world, now for the first time ever, fishing together in a very big tournament. Just a couple of the great shows you'll hear this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. I'm Kev Jackson. As always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to take a listen to what we're throwing out there every day. F-I-S-H-I-I-N, Paul Bunyan Country.